Everybody say after me, God is bigger. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. God is bigger. Do you really believe that? Do you believe he's bigger than anything you face today? Do you believe that he's bigger than any problem that you're up against? Do you believe that his grace truly is greater than all of our sin? God really is bigger. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, I don't know what you're dealing with, don't know what you're facing, don't know what you're going through in your life, don't know what's up in front of you in the week to come, but here's what I believe with all of my heart. God is bigger. And that's what I want to talk about. You know, in this series, um, The Journey to Freedom, we've been looking at the story of Peter in Acts chapter 12 of how he was put in prison. And from this story, we're we're trying to learn some principles to ask the question, Lord, how can we walk in the fullness of all of the freedom that you really want us to have? How can we really have the abundant life that you promised us we can have? And and today, I really want to zero in on this big idea that God really is bigger. If you want to take your sermon outlines out, if you'd like to take notes, you can track along with me. We're going to throw it up on the screen for you. Those of you, again, watching online, we'll throw everything up on the screen in front of you, too, so you can track with us. In Acts chapter 12, if you remember, if you remember the story, um, King Herod uh, has killed James, the brother of John, and he is beginning to ramp up his persecution of the church. And he found that that was getting him a lot of favor with certain leaders in the community. And and so he decided to have Peter arrested, and he threw him in prison. And uh, last couple of weeks, we were focusing in on the verse, verse 5, which says, And while Peter was in prison, the church was earnestly praying for him. And we were talking about the fact that, man, when we, when we find ourselves, you know, kind of really with shackles on us by life, that's the time we don't want to isolate. And that's the time where we really discover the power of community. Um, let's pick up the story. And beginning at verse 6, Acts chapter 12, here we go. Here's what it says. It says, and the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And when he did, the chains fell off his wrist. You know, I don't know what, how you would have defined your last week, but I'm going to guess there are at least some of us that in the course of, of the last week or so of our life, if we were going to use a word to describe it, we would might use the word hopeless. Pastor Steve, I'm in a situation and it is absolutely hopeless. Now, here's what you need to know. Hopeless does not exist in the vocabulary of God. Hopeless does not exist in the vocabulary of God. You know, when you look at Peter's situation and you look at where he was and what was going on, he's in a prison cell, he's fastened with chains, he's got soldiers all around him, and he's being held captive by the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. And to say, can Peter find freedom? You go, well, that was hopeless. No, it's not. Why? Say it after me again. God is bigger. You bet. I want to talk about that today. And, and I want to use this story to maybe bring some some thoughts and principles to you in the situation that you find yourself in. What can we learn from Peter? Are you ready? Here we go. 
Sometimes when it feels like God is ignoring us, he's actually just waiting. Sometimes when we feel like God is ignoring us, we discover that actually God is just waiting. When I was reading this story, and I was trying to put myself in the position of Peter, and thinking, you know, you know, here I've given my life up to follow you, Jesus, and here I'm doing all these good things in your name, and then all of a sudden, one day, I'm, I'm arrested, I'm taken away, I'm thrown in prison, and uh, don't you think at least somewhere along the way, Peter's asking that question, God, aren't you going to show up? You know, aren't you going to show up? And you keep looking at, you know, when God, when are you going to come onto the scene? And I wonder if, it, if Peter maybe thought, maybe, you know, again, he, you know, maybe he's thinking back and, you know, I denied Jesus. Maybe this is God punishing me. And all these things could have been going through his mind. But sometimes we forget that God doesn't move according to our timetable. How many of you have discovered that? Yeah. I mean, have you ever been praying for something and God, you know, and you're saying, you know, God, any time now, you know, any time now. Uh, but sometimes God waits. Why is that? Well, I thought of a few reasons. Let me give them to you. The first one is sometimes God waits to show us the fullness of his power. Take, sometimes God waits to show us the fullness of his power. You know, when I was thinking about this, I, I thought, you know, you know, God could have had some, some people interrupt the people who were arresting him and, and gotten, you know, Peter out then, or he could have, you know, before Peter ever got the trial, you know, he could have gotten, you know, got him escaped. He could have done anything up to them. But when you think about it, Peter is kind of at the, that place of desperation where the only way to explain him getting out is going to be, it has to be God. You know, it has to be God. And I thought about the fact, when I go back through Scripture, I started thinking about stories like the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament, where these three guys who were worshiping God were, again, arrested because they weren't worshiping the king. And the kings wanted them to bow down to his God, and they wouldn't do it. And so the king brings them in. And he says, you know, I'm going to give you one more chance. You know, I, I, at, at the sound of the, you know, at, when the music plays, you need to bow down to my king. Or if not, I'm going to throw you into this fire. And you got to love the guy's response. I mean, they look at the king and they said, oh, king, live forever. But hear us. You know, the God we serve is able to deliver us from your hand. Don't miss this. But they said, but even if he doesn't, there's no way we're bowing down to your God. They were willing to die. Now, you look at the story and you go, you know, anywhere in there, God could have maybe gotten these guys out, but what happens? They're thrown into this fire. I mean, this fire is so hot, it's, it, it kills the people throwing the guys in. And then when the king looks in, the Bible says when he looked in, he said, didn't we throw three guys down there? He goes, I see a fourth person in the fire, and they look like the Son of God. And they bring the guys out, and the Bible says that these guys, when they brought them out of the fire, they didn't even smell of smoke. Now, who can do something like that? Only God. Only God. And sometimes what we discover is we're wanting God to speed things up, but sometimes God is waiting for just the right time to do it for his purposes. Um, I love the, the passage of Scripture there from uh, Hebrews chapter 4. 
Hebrews writer says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us. Read that last phrase out loud. When we need it most. Say it again. When we need it most. Now that little phrase is a Greek colloquialism that literally means in the nick of time. In the nick of time. God will save us in the nick of time. And how many of you have discovered in your own journey, God tends to wait sometimes to the last minute? Have you found that out? Yeah, yeah. I I read a a blog by a gal, and I I just thought many of us could identify with this. She was, the, the title of her blog was, Why Does God Wait So Long?, and in her blog, she was talking about, she said, you know, I needed some, some documentation papers. And she said, I was having to get them through this agency, and they were taking their good old time. And she said, and time went by, and time went by, and finally I was coming down to the deadline. I didn't have them, and I kept calling them, and I couldn't get anybody to respond. And they said, well, you're probably just going to have to wait. And she said, I can't wait. I've got a deadline coming up. And she said, finally, two days before this thing is due, she goes, I just decided, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. This isn't going to happen. And she said, I was so discouraged. And she said, and don't you know, that afternoon, I get a call from a woman at this agency who says, I can take care of your papers for you. And, uh, and she gal said, well, I've got to have them done by, in two days by this time. And they said, but by that next morning, the gal called her. She was able to finally go get the papers. She goes, I got them turned in just hours before they were due. And she said, and I'm going, God, do you really have to wait to the last minute? You know, he said, I'd prayed and prayed and prayed. And she said, and why does God do that? And she goes, and I started thinking back. She goes, and I started thinking about when there was a time when my, the, the owners of the home I was renting were going to sell it and I had to move out. And she goes, I started looking for another place and I couldn't find a place and I couldn't find a place and I couldn't find a place. And she goes, and finally I was coming down on the deadline and she goes, two days before my lease was going to be up and I was going to have to move somewhere. She goes, all of a sudden, magically, a place comes to me. I find a place. She goes, it was the perfect place. Two days. She goes, again, it's the last minute. She goes, then I started thinking about when I needed some rent money. She goes, the money was short and I couldn't, I didn't have money to pay my rent. She goes, and and I didn't want to go past the, the due date. And she goes, I I didn't have, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And she said, finally, on the day my rent money was due, unexpectedly, I got money in the mail and I was able to pay my rent. And she goes, God, you're driving me crazy, you know. You're waiting till the last minute. It reminds me of my my buddy Stan Toller uh, who wrote that book. He said, you know, God has never failed me yet, but he sure scared me to death a few times, you know. And that's exactly right. But in her blog, I thought this gal said something. She identified something really interesting. She said, and I asked the question, God, why do you sometimes wait to the last minute like, like this? And here's what she said. She goes, two things really came to me. One, she goes, in each situation, there was no explanation for it but except to say it was God. She goes, and I realized that sometimes God waits because he really wants us to know this is him. And she said, and the other, she said, you know, if the answers would have come soon, she goes, I would have, you know, I would have been happy and I would have went on. But can I tell you that when God shows up at the last moment like that, she said, your heart is overflowing with gratitude. Excellent observation. Why does God wait? Well, sometimes it's because he wants to show us the fullness of his power. Another reason God waits, and this one hurts a little bit. 
And sometimes God is waiting for us to come to a place of brokenness. Sometimes God waits for us to come to a place of brokenness. How many of you have raised children before? I mean, you're still raising them, even though they're in their 30s. Yeah. (laughs) There's an interesting principle of parenting in that um, it's important to let children suffer the consequences when they make poor decisions. Now, we don't like to do that as parents because it hurts our hearts to see our kids suffer. But it's important to let your kids make bad decisions and suffer the consequences of those decisions. Why? That's how they learn. If we always bail kids out when they've made a bad decision, we're teaching our children there are no consequences for your decisions. Everything's always going to work out for you. And what you discover is once you become an adult, there's nobody there to bail you out. And that comes back. And it's so important. Now, if you understand that, then you understand why it's important in some situations for God to allow us to, to, to be in the circumstance until we come to a place, come to the end of ourselves and go, you know what? Something's got to change. I've got to change. If I keep doing the same things, I'm going to keep ending up at the same place. And when I was working on this message, I thought, you know, sometimes God just got to let us come to that place where we throw up our hands in desperation and we say, you know what, God, I've tried this my way too long. It isn't working out. I need you. I love the passage of scripture, the Psalm 116. It says, death wrapped its ropes around me and the terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Now read this next part out loud with me. Then I called on the name of the Lord, please, Lord, save me. Now put a big circle around that word, then. Then I called to the Lord. When? When death had me by the throat. When do we call to the Lord? When there's no other place to go. When do we really cry out and surrender our hearts, surrender our lives, surrender our circumstances? It's when we come to the end of ourselves. And look at me, you gotta hear this. And sometimes God is just waiting to move waiting for us to come to that place of brokenness. Um, there was a, a, a woman in, in Pennsylvania a couple years ago. Uh, she was driving on uh, it, uh, the State Route 68 there in Butler County, and she crossed the median, went across two lanes of traffic, uh, into a parking lot, clipped a wall uh, of where this 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 building was and then crashes into the side of this building fortunately where she crashed into the building the the owner the guy who had owned actually owned the place was in his office he had just left his office and he ended up crashing right into his office where he had just been and uh, when the state police came they found that the woman was intoxicated she was over two times the legal limit and, um, you know, done all this damage. And as they were, as they were uh, filing this report, they were just noting some of the, some of the things that kind of seemed so interesting about this. First of all, the building that she crashed into was O'Donnell's uh, alcohol distribution building. I mean, it was their distributing company right there. So it was kind of like her car was just, you know, a magnet to, you know, to that building. And as she crashes into it, the other thing they realized is when they, when they pulled her up and they were running, running a report on her, they found that this woman had actually 
actually been arrested five times in the last 10 years for driving while intoxicated. The last time she had been arrested was only a week before, and she was given an uh, an alcohol monitoring bracelet to wear, which she had somehow taken off and wasn't wearing when she crashed. And when I was reading this story, here, here was the thought that hit me. And, and please, just stay with me on this. The thought that hit me was, okay, how many times do you have to wreck? How many times do you have to be arrested? How much chaos do you have to call out, cause? How much destruction actually has to happen to your life before you come to a place and say, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Because until we come to that place of brokenness, God can't work. You know, there was a, a casino in, in New Mexico got in trouble just a couple years ago. Because right after the holidays, right into the new year, they had a, a, big, a big billboard sign that they put out and said, are you in debt? Are you struggling to pay uh, bills from the holidays? Are, are you finding yourself in a hole and need to get out? We can help. And, I, and, you, and, you, and they got in trouble because it's like, you know, a lot of the people who are in debt are in debt because they tried your way and it didn't work out so well for them. He waits for us to come to a place of brokenness. Let me give you, let me give you one more why God waits. Sometimes God waits, and this is, this is hard for us too, because there's more to the story than just us. There's more to the story than just us. You do realize in the story that, about Peter, Peter's not the only one in the story. As God is working, there are other people there. There are prison guards who are watching him. There are other prisoners who see him. There is a church that is praying for him. There are all kinds of people connected to this. Now, just think this with me for a second. Sometimes when we're praying and we're talking to God about our circumstance and our situation, we are only thinking of ourselves. Stay with me. But what if God is not moved yet simply because he is using your circumstance to try to help someone else? What if God is using you and the way that you respond to this? What if God is using that to touch the life of someone else who's observing you know, that's what, that's what Paul says in this. I just thought this was so wild because it reminded me of what Paul, when he was writing to, to the Philippian church, when he was in prison, and he was writing about his experience, and as he's writing from jail, here's what he says. It's on your outline. He says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to what, do what? To spread the good news. Read it with me. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. This is so cool. Peter, Paul saying, you know what? They put me in jail because I was preaching the gospel. Then what do they do when they put me in jail? They chain these unsaved prison guards to me. I've got a captive audience. I mean, you could just picture Paul <coughs> every day as he gets in prison and they, they strap these new guards to him and Paul, they're sitting down beside him. Paul looks at him and goes, hi, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, you know? 
And it's like, they can't get away. They're chained to the dude, you know? And as Paul's like, can, can you believe this? He said, because I'm here in prison and because God's left me here, all the whole prison guard now knows about Jesus. And he said, you know what else? Other prisoners who are Christians, they're watching me. And as they're watching me, they're getting more bold in their faith. Do you get what Paul is saying? God, you know, when we would look at it and we would go, man, God, the best thing you could do would be get us out of there and get us out of there quick. But what if we're there because God is using that to bless or help someone else? You know, I've, I've walked with a lot of people through stuff through the years. and I, I can't tell you how many times I've walked with a family who... Um, had a situation maybe with a child who had to, had to go through a real difficult illness or, or time in the hospital and circumstance, and, or, or I've walked with people who have had cancer and have gone through all kinds of treatments and struggles. I can't tell you how many times those families and individuals have told me, you know what, Pastor Steve, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to put anyone through this, but you know, God has used my situation. I have had so many people who have looked at us or have talked to me, and I've had a chance to share God's grace and God's glory with so many people because I've gone through this. Look at me. I love you, but it's not always about you. Amen? In uh, John Ortberg's book, uh, Who Is This Man? Uh, he, was, he, he talked about this. I just thought this was such a cool paragraph. Paul, John Ortberg says, Years ago, I was in Ethiopia, when it was under a Marxist regime and the church was mostly underground. He said one or another of the leaders of the Christian group would frequently be arrested and put into prison, which was horribly overcrowded and unspeakably foul. Other prisoners, think, listen to this, other prisoners used to long for Christians to be put in prison. Because if a Christian was jailed, his Christian friends would bring him food. Actually, far more food than that one person could eat, and there would be leftovers for everybody. It became the prisoner's prayer, God, send a Christian to prison. Go home and chew on that one for a while. Next time you find yourself neck deep in a circumstance, you're circumstance that seems so overwhelming to you, you may be the answer to someone else's prayer. Just food for thought. Let me give you an, another thought from this, from this story. Forget who holds your circumstances. Focus on who holds your destiny. Forget who holds your circumstances. Focus on who holds your destiny. I thought, in fact, you know, it had been really easy for Peter to, you know, look at these shackles and how strong they were, look at these guards, look at this prison, look at Herod, and go, I'm done. I'm done. I feel hopeless. But hopeless is not a word in the vocabulary of God. Um, as long as we stare at our circumstances, we do become hopeless. This is where we've got to be able to look, not, not focus on the circumstances around us, but we've got to be able to focus on the God that is within us and the God that is above us. 
God is bigger than our circumstances. He's bigger than whatever it is that we're facing. I love Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. The Hebrew writer again says, Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge have a great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. Listen to this. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Again, I don't know what circumstance you're in. Don't know what you find yourself facing. But as long as you look at that circumstance, as long as you're staring at that, guess what? You're not going to see God. you got to keep your focus on the God who is beyond your circumstances. No one holds your destiny. No circumstances hold your destiny. Only God holds your destiny. Last week on, on, uh, on Facebook, I, I just thought this was so awesome. We have a, a young lady in our church, um, Janie Justice. Janie, are you in the service today too? Again, she was here for the nine o'clock. I didn't think she would stay to hear me twice. I don't blame her. I wouldn't stay to hear me twice. Janie um, graduated from Mid-America Christian University. She actually graduated last year, but she didn't get to walk because of COVID. And so this year she got to, to walk and she's going to go on for her master's. But um, you don't really know Janie's story. Throw her picture up on the screen. There, there's Janie and Miss and Alex, her boys, two handsome young men. But Janie, Janie posted this on Facebook and I thought this is just a great story to share. And some of, somebody needs to hear this. Janie said, something I want to share. She said, I knew getting my bachelor's degree was a big deal, but I didn't realize how big it was until I looked up some statistics. Growing up, I heard many times about the odds that were stacked against me. I was raised in the foster care system. I did live some of my childhood with both my parents, but over half my childhood was in the foster care system. I looked up the statistics and I found that only about 30% of kids in the foster care system graduate from high school and only about 10% go on to get any kind of higher education. To me, this is profound and it makes my accomplishments even seem bigger. I have overcome the odds and I am looking forward to beating more odds. She said, that's the reason I live my life the way I do. I want to inspire people. And I can honestly say that I would have never beaten the odds unless I focused on God. If I had not focused on God. She said, when doubts and fear pop up, I remind myself of whose I am. And I know I can do anything with God on my side. And you know what? I just proved it. My children have a better legacy because I stood up and said, I am going to beat the odds. Amen. Listen, I don't, I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what kind of family you came from. Some of us came out of families where uh, we didn't know our mom and dad. Like, like, you know, some of us, like, like Janie, grew up in the foster system. You know, some of us have grown up in families where our parents were alcoholics or they were uh, addicted to drugs. Some of us grew up with families who, parents who were abusive. And uh, a lot of, we don't know everybody's story, but this is what I want you to get. you got to get this. Your circumstances do not get to define you. I don't care where, where you come from or where you were born, this much I know. God is your true father, and he is the only one who holds your destiny. Amen. 
Don't focus on the circumstances. Focus on the one who holds your destiny. Let me give you one more. Just because we can't break out of our prisons, (laughs) it doesn't mean that God can't break in. Just because we can't break out of a prison, it doesn't mean God can't break in. You know, I thought about this. I thought about how, how hopeless Peter might have felt when he was sitting there going, man, I'm in chains. I got guard. I'm, I'm stuck. And, and yeah, Peter couldn't get himself out. But you know what? God could get to where he was. God could get to where he was. I, I used this story um, last week in one of my devotionals, my daily devotionals that I was writing. Uh, but I thought it was really cool. Throw that picture up on the screen for me, would you? Uh, that's that's Renee Campion. Rene um, is a hiker, and uh, about a week ago or so, he was hiking in the uh, uh, Angeles Mountains in northeast of, uh, of Los Angeles. And um, he had been in, there, in that area before a couple times, some time back, but because of the wildfires and everything, every, the whole landscape had changed. And as he was hiking, he got lost. And he ended up in a part of the, the national, national forest there that he had never been in. He had, he had no idea where he was. And, and he got started to panic. And he was desperately looking for some kind of, of landmark, desperately looking for some kind of marker to tell him where he was and how he could get back. He couldn't find one. And uh, finally, he, he sat down on, on a rock and he, and he took this picture. Throw that up on the screen. He snapped this, this picture and he sent it to his his friend, um, his, bat, his phone was dying, and here's what, here's what he said. He, he texted this picture to his friend. He actually sent two pictures, but only one of them went through. He said, SOS, my phone is, is going to die, and I'm lost. And his friend got that picture, and shortly after, his phone was completely dead. He couldn't call. His phone didn't have any of the location services turned on, so nobody had any idea where it was at. His friend got the picture and contacted the authorities and said, hey, my friend's lost. Uh, he's in the Angeles Mountains somewhere. Um, don't know where he's at. And, and night was coming on, and the, the authorities go, well, there's no way we're going to find him at night. And they looked at the picture, and it didn't tell them anything. And so they, they finally said, man, we, got it. we need some help. So the police took this picture and they posted it on Twitter. And they said, for any of you hikers out there that are familiar with the Angeles Mountains at all, you know, if you recognize this area, please let us know there's a hiker who's lost in this vicinity and we're trying desperately to find him. Well, there, nobody could recognize the area, um, but there, there was a guy by the name of Ben Kuo who was a 47-year-old, and he, he saw the picture, happened to see it on Twitter, and he had an interesting hobby. He loved comparing pictures of areas to satellite imagery. And so he got on the internet and started, you know, looking at satellite images of, of that area. And he was able to, to look at a place and, and saw a satellite image and thought, you know what, that looks a lot like it. He put them side by side. He ended up sending that to the authorities and said, I think this is the area where, where this hiker was at. The authorities used that. And the next afternoon, they were able to go to that area. And guess what? They were able to find him. And when they found him, the guy was beside himself. I'll throw that next picture up on the screen. There, there he is. There's Renee. 
And uh, he, he, you know, he was beside himself, and it was like, there's no way. What, what are the odds? What are the odds of, you know, of them throwing a picture out on Twitter, and it just happens to go across the, the, the Twitter page of a guy whose hobby happens to be downloading satellite imagery? And, and Rene was beside himself in, in, in just gratitude. And here's what he says when, he, when, he, when they brought him out. He said, first and foremost, I want to thank God for getting me safe through this and safely home. Rene knew this was beyond the odds. This was beyond what he would have ever hoped or expected. Only God couldn't get him out. And this is what it was so cool. Rene couldn't find his way out, but you know what? God had a way of getting in. And that's our story. You know, some of us find ourselves in circumstances where we're just stuck. And you'd say, you know what, Pastor Steve? I don't know how to get out of this. I don't, I don't know how to get through this. When you can't get out, trust me, God can still get to you. There's a passage of Scripture. It's one of my favorites from Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Read it out loud with me. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Read that last line again. Nothing is too hard for you. One more time. Nothing is too hard for you. God knows exactly where you are. And you know what? He loves you more than you can possibly imagine. I want you to take your communion elements out, if you would. I want you to go ahead and just take a moment and peel it back and take that little wafer. You can peel the top back on your cup, and in a couple moments, we'll, we'll take these together. But I want you to just look at these elements for a second. Because this little wafer represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was broken for you. This cup represents his blood that was spilt for you. Just hear my heart. Do you really think that a God who loved you this much is going to just leave you right where you are? He won't. God is bigger. He's bigger than anything you're facing. His grace is greater than your sin. No matter where you are or what you're going through, I just want to invite you today to cry out to this God who loves you that much. Let his love come to you right where you are and let it change the circumstance that you find yourself in. Rachel's going to lead us in this song and talks about God's amazing grace and I just invite you in this moment to open your heart to our Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never accepted him as your Savior and Lord, if you've never made a commitment of your life to follow him, hey gang, today, this can be the first day of the rest of your life. You don't have to go through life all on your own. For God so loved you, he sent his one and only son. Let God's power work in your life today. God, we declare today that you are bigger. Your grace is greater than our sin. Your grace is greater than our past. 
your power greater than any circumstance we find ourselves in. Your ability to set us free greater than any addictions that are, we're chained by or any shackles that we wear. Father, we hold in our hands a reminder of just how desperately you loved us. So much that you would send your son from heaven to earth to die in our place. And if you were willing to do that, Lord, you're not going to leave us now. And so, Lord, as we take this wafer, as we take this juice, we open our hearts to your love and your power. Lord, for some of us, it may be the first time in our life that we've ever opened ourselves to allow you to work. And I pray that you would just stretch forth your strong hand, that you would meet us today at our point of need, that whatever prison that we find ourselves in, that by your power and grace, the shackles would fall off and that you would walk us out. Lord, today I pray that we begin to walk in the fullness of the abundant life that you promised us. You are bigger, Lord. And it's in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. And everyone said, amen.